everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, The Big Show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. And today it's a little noisier than most, even though we're in the Red Studio because we're driving in a rainstorm. So you may be able to hear the rain pitter-pattering on our windshield. Today's kind of a mystery show because she knows the topic of the show, and yet I don't. Because she wrote an article that she's already got written. I wrote it this morning she while this somebody morning. slept. I have not read it. I don't even know really what it's about other than the headline. So I'm going to just turn the, turn the show over to her. This is, podcast is going to accompany this article that's already written. So take it away. The reason Salty doesn't know this topic is because Salty is unfamiliar with failure. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so what was my post yesterday about? Uh, failure. And okay. that's one of the things. So... Yeah, this post is about failures because I took up a sport a few years ago and I went to my very first training camp for this sport. And one of the first things I heard, and it's stuck with me ever since, if you're not falling, you're not trying. And it's so very true. Because if you actually do things instead of just reading about doing things, some of the stuff you do is not going to work. Some of it's going to be fails. Uh, And... That is what today is about, learning how to minimize the negative consequences of the failures and, and maximize the positive outcomes you can get out of them, because there's going to be fails. So one aspect of this, if you look at the uh, linked show notes, one thing you'll see out is as our headline picture is a poor, sad, dead little apple tree yeah, <laughs> in our front that yard. Was, that was a... This is a disappointing thing. That was a lot of work for for a really horrible dead apple tree, and it died hideously. It, it started out the spring great, and it had a bunch of apples on it when it died. It looked really good. But then some quick-moving uh, wilt disease caught up with it. I'm not enough of an orchardist to know what. And it, just and it swiftly died. You know, yeah. it, sit, it sits right next to its... It, it's, uh, uh, partner in uh, it's fertilization partner yeah fertilization intended fertilization partner yeah and the partner tree is fine partner tree looks great this year but this other one now we have to we have a caveat on this tree we were we had a little trouble with it last year and the year before the year before it's never it's always had this little bit of a wilty thing but never like this this was just like this was a different disease than the one last year i'm pretty sure so yeah yeah so Really disappointing. You're going to have fails. Uh, so one of the tricks to minimizing this is to manage when they occur. Um, when you're doing permaculture stuff, which I hope you are, because I think the more people have food on hand, the better off everybody is. Plus, it's good quality food in the meantime. As an aside, permaculture means basically it means a lot more than what we're talking about, but encouraging perennial food production from perennial plants. That's a very, yeah. very oversimplified. You take, please don't uh, cringe too much permaculture people, but I just so give people an idea of what we're talking about. Yeah. And then doing it in an organized fashion in zones so that you can, you know. You do a lot of uh, work up front putting the plantings in, but then they produce food with very little additional work input for years. Right, and then you build structures, uh, watering systems, and stuff like that. That is build once, use many. 
So that plan works great unless they die early, and some trees just will die early. Some trees are not appropriate for the place that they're put, even though something else you can put in the same spot, it will grow great. So So one aspect of this is we started planting uh, orchard trees both at our home and at the place uh, five years ago now, six years ago now? Six years. Six years ago now. And some of them have done great and some of them have failed, and the ones that failed we replaced with something else. With a couple of exceptions. Sometimes we Yeah, sometimes you you learn a, a spot's just not a good spot and don't go with that one again. And it may be a good spot for another kind of tree. Unfortunately, where we live, the ground is all kind of clay. The place is even clayier yeah. than a home. So, and fruit trees don't like clay soil. It just, they don't. Yeah, you but, look at every recommended soil for almost every tree, and it's like, oh, use fertile, well-water, well-drained soil. Yeah, that's great if you have it. But if yeah. you don't, well, then you, do you got to see what will make do. And, and we've learned some, some things make do better than others. You do your best remediation that you can do. But for tree roots, you know, there's just so much you can do. The thing is, now's the time to learn. Right. Because this tree dying was annoying and disappointing, but it was not drama because we have other fruit trees and we have time to replant this one. And we know that apple trees can grow in our yard because we have two others. Yeah. So it's not a, but it's just when we, when she replanted this tree when it died the first time, she put in the same kind of tree. Now this wasn't just because she's being stubborn; it's because the poll the uh, pollination. You have to watch your pollination. Unless a tree is self pollinating, it has to have a good pollination partner. And the two trees that were sitting right next to each other were excellent pollination partners for each other, and they did a good job of it. And the one that died had a. Um money-back guarantee, so they replaced it with another tree of the same type. Yeah. And that was where I had a hole. So I figured it was worth another shot. It's not worth a third shot. No, something else is going in there. Probably another apple tree that will pollinate with the... See, one of the things we wanted to do, and I'm really, uh, really hyper... Cognizant of this hypercognizant? What the kind of... That's a word word? now. Nobody uses hypercognizant. It's a word now. That's how we get words. People make them up to fill okay. a need. Hyper, I'm hypercognizant of having three is two, two is one, one is none. And so we put in another apple tree in case we're in a bad situation and one of our apple tree dies. So we can still get pollinization. Yep. This spring, while the, the two trees were still looking great, I put in a third that will cross-pollinate either one. Right. And it's close enough that the bees ought to travel happily between them. And we can actually still carrying pollen. We can actually put in a feature if we need to, uh, put in some extra flowers or whatever it is to keep the keep keep the bees moving. We have an extra flower bed between them right. to we, encourage we the bee a, actually, movement. We have a flower bed in front of our house that it isn't particularly pretty. It's actually nice when it's fully in, but it's it's very it's a wild. It's very flowers. seasonal. But they're pollinator attractants, big time. They're good for pollinators. We plant pollinator tractor flowers around the trees, specifically to get those bees doing their bee thing. And it works. Now, if it doesn't work next year, we will hand pollinate. Yeah, you can take a paintbrush and and go for it. I've got plenty of trees out at the place I can collect pollen from if I have to. 
so, other trees in town that I'm sure they'd let me collect some of their pollen. We don't really want to do that because that's work. Yeah. But. But it, it would. Is, it is what it is. Uh, Dad, I'll have to because I put the third tree in. So that's the second element. If a piece is an important piece of your plan, you have backups for it. Next thing I'm going to do next spring, another apple tree that's a good pollinating partner for the two I've still got goes in there. So we go back to three instead of two. One of the ones I put in this spring, it's a self-pollinator. So it can do okay by itself. I may, in fact, put in another one of those. I may put in a crab apple, which can cross-fertilize any dang thing, even though its own fruits aren't that good. Uh, they're really tough, too. Yeah, they're yeah, not very good. But. Yeah, you can cider them, but that's about it. But anyway. Which reminds me, we got some really good squeezed cider in the back. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Make your fails when it's not a tragedy by practicing things ahead of time. Establishing things ahead of time. Did you talk? I have backups for important elements. Did you talk in the story about our other fruit tree fail? I know you've talked about it before, but our invaders. I did not. We have another story on that, but that is another fruit tree fail we had this year. We have a whole complete other article on that. We had our, our peach tree was deforested. In a by, single day, by, in a single day, in a six-hour span, squirrels. two squirrels stole nine peaches off that sucker. I can't imagine how they didn't explode. Now it's just a very, very young tree, so we don't get that many peaches off of it. Yeah, and it, we had a late frost, so. and it was all yeah, it got hit by frost this year, and it I'd was already a, eaten a few off. It, it was a horrible year. We've got ex, we've got uh, extra watering going to that tree. We've got a. Uh, one of our downspouts is basically directed right at the tree through a big black hose, and so it was getting all the water it had. But we're we're half the, up until this weekend, and then we had a big shower a couple weeks ago, seven incher, which yeah. is a big shower. That's not yeah. It's uh, until like... we were there, we were like one quarter of our annual average rainfall, so we're in a drought basically, and that has stressed our trees, even though we're watering them still. And, uh, but we learned some things about how to protect the crop from squirrels, and next year we'll have that in place. So, again, we're doing the fails when the fails are not expensive to us. A lot of the fails that we, or the, the stuff that we do now, is based on fails that happened years ago. Yeah. And <laughs> the bunny fencing. My garden was not thieved by any four leggers all season long. <coughs> And it's entirely because of the good fencing I've got around it. Because we have a groundhog living on our property, and he would have been happy to steal things. But he couldn't get to any of them because of the good fencing. Yeah, here in Missouri, we call a groundhog a whistle pig. we got a whistle pig in our backyard. We're kind of like, well, do we get rid of the whistle pig? Because we're, we're, we're people who like, like to them. live and let live. You know what I'm saying? We're, we are. But if the whistle pig starts tearing stuff up, it's got to go. We're going to live trap him and find a new home for the whistle pig. But so far, the whistle pig has not torn anything up. Yeah, it's so, I've, I've put some serious fencing around the garden, and the losses from that, including the bunnies that I find hopping around the yard, they got nothing and liked it, or didn't like it. I don't care, stupid little thieves. So, learn from your errors. That's one of the things. What's one of the big points about making mistakes is uh, figure out what they are and learn from them. I have found 
that uh, camping equipment is a particularly important to test that stuff out early. Because a lot of the stuff looks like a great idea, but it either needs modification or it needs laughed at and rejected. And you really don't know until you try it. So if you're counting on that stuff and you've never tried it, you have no idea if it's going to work. Even if it works, you you don't also have any idea, is it worth the weight? Is it worth the bulk? Is it worth the effort? Is it worth the money to keep? Because some things require some upkeep. And, you know, if it does work, but, you know, it's a real pain in the tail to clean. We were just at a gun shop. Here's a perfect example. This isn't camping gear, but this is a gun. We were at a gun shop, and we were looking at a, at a uh, just browsing in the case of what they had. And they had a really nice-looking uh, Ruger Mark III. 22 long rifle pistol. All right. Nice looking gun. I would never own one of them because I know what it's like to disassemble and clean. And I have no interest in having a 22 that I have to spend a half an hour taking apart just to clean it. No interest at all. But this is, this is from learned failure. You know, we learned that in gun shooting our guns, the guns that we shoot all the time are the ones that are easiest to clean. Yeah. One point I'd like to make is that the more critical the thing is, the thing, the more critical the thing is, whatever it is, to your survival, the more redundancy you need to have. Let me give you an example uh, I work at a place where I'm in charge of the IT stuff, okay? And one of the things that we have to have, at least in the past we've had to have, is uh, backups of our data because, you know, a data loss can mean to actually the the business failing because oftentimes if you have a massive data loss in your business, it will fail because of that data loss. And I'm the person in charge of making sure that no major data loss occurs, so, you know, I don't keep a backup. I don't keep a backup. I keep a backup. I keep a backup of my, my backup, and I keep various different copies of various different backups in various different places in various different situations. Why? Because we cannot survive a failure. Water purification would be an example of this one. Yes. Keep a backup of your backup of your backup of your backup of your backup if you can't, if it will kill you if you fail. This is critical. You know, we talk about the water supply. What do we mean by that? You don't have a life straw, and that be your water purification. You may answer. discover the first time you have to drink from a, a murky source that it clogs up your life straw and water won't come through it anymore. Now, I'm not against life straws. Life straws are an excellent idea. Yeah. As a single part of your multi-part water purification system or plan. We have, for example, we have life straws. We have in this car right now, not counting what she has with her. I don't know what she has with her. In this car right now, we have three different completely different water purification systems that go with us everywhere we go. I have a life straw. 
water bottle. One of those water bottles from filtering you know, water bottle. Filtering yeah, water those bottles. are great. So I, I love those. I have a Sawyer, uh, bigger Sawyer water filter, and I also have water purification tablets. Those guys come in tiny little bottles, so they're a nice backup that you can stick almost anywhere and lay, weigh maybe an ounce. Yeah, I don't like them as well as the other options. I usually just replace them once a year at the end of camping season when they're cheap. Right, but I do carry them. We've got them in the impact. It's probably time to replace these, but after deer season. After deer season, yeah. Three different ways, and that's just in my car, okay? But where am I most likely to need it when I'm away from home? Because we have bigger, better water purification systems and good water storage at home, and good water storage, and a good, clean way of capturing water. And hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water we could use. So we're, we're okay as far as that goes. Now, I can't stress enough, redundancy, 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 because things will fail. With electronics, every electronic device will sooner or later fail, so it has to be backed up. With non-electronic uh, devices, some things will never probably wear out for you but they're very few i mean we have a cistern i need to put up ugh. Uh, sorry somebody driving a diesel hopped up diesel blow black Stupid smoke thing. all over the place just blue black smoke all over us um you know we have a we have a pump on our on our well or our cistern that i need to fix and not only do i need to fix it i need to get a separate a separate parts kit to be able to fix ours. And, you know, this is one thing I want to learn how to do, fix these things, because there's a whole bunch of these around town. Yeah. And if it ever becomes a thing that we need to use these cisterns again, it should be nice to be able to fix the pumps as kind of a as kind of a little extra job. A way of earning some income. Sideline business or... Community support, depending on the ability to pay of the people who needed the water. (laughs) Or both, you know, there's nothing wrong with both. Yeah. So, it's just, you know, that's just an example. It's not really a critical. But what is it that you really, 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 really have to have? Is it food? Okay, well, you have food. But do you have all your food in one place? Good question. Is it all stored in one place? What if you, your house burns down or you're unable to get into it? What are you going to do for food? I don't know, but you should. I know what we do for food. I'm not going to tell you because I don't really need to get into that details, but we have food stored at multiple locations. A significant amount of food stored at multiple locations. We have significant water supply purification at multiple locations, obviously. So these are the kind of things we look about because failure will happen. You have to plan for failure. It stinks, though. I hate it when you fail. <laughs> I mean, you know, losing that tree was not fun. No, I put a lot of work into that tree. You know, it's just a, it's just an example. We're just using this as a, as a sample example. It's not fun to lose a tree. And some ideas, just some things that sound great just do not work for you. I spent the last two years trying different things with potato bins, 
for the whole hundred pounds of potatoes in four square feet things because it looked like it ought to work and other people have gotten it to work. And for my situation, it's just a bad answer. So far. Uh, it's I think probably really, not going to be really, any further. I think, in, in my situation, it's I a bad think answer. That water, the water tower thing? It would, but it's not a good use of our water is oh, what no. I'm saying. I, mean, it's, I don't think it's worth it. I was just thinking, we I can, might actually try that next year. You are welcome to. Just as a, even if it's just in an area where we don't do anything to it and not using, you know, I'm just thinking about trying it as an experiment. What I'm talking about is I came up with this idea of with our potato bin, this is, this is kind of how you work through failure. Um, it's not like we didn't get potatoes, but we didn't get nearly the amount of potatoes. We didn't get any more potatoes than you would get normally out of this big tower. We just got a normal amount of potatoes. If you don't know what we're talking about, we got several stories on 3BY talking about our The article links bins. them. Yeah, several articles. And basically you add dirt to them as the potatoes grow, and the bins get higher and higher and higher. And theoretically, you should be able to grow potatoes all summer long throughout the level. Uh, this year we had a very dry summer, but we watered it, and we watered it significantly. But... When she dug the potatoes, go ahead and tell the story. When I dug the potatoes, I got nothing until I was all the way down at ground level. And even though we had the drought had broken the week before with a seven-inch rain, seven inches in a day. In a six-hour period. Three inches down from the top of the pile, it was bone dry. Because the way that pile is set up, and the excellent quality soil I put in there was excellent draining soil, too. And it just didn't hold any water. It drained right through after the seven inches, and it dried right out right after. I had uh, the stems attempting to form potatoes in the tower, but I ne- they were just little marble-sized things. And I'm sure, after seeing how dry it was after the seven-inch rain, it's because it was dry. And that would probably work in somewhere where you were giving it water every single day. But that's not what I'm going to be doing. So what my theory was, was take a four-inch like uh, schedule, uh, schedule 40 sewer pipe and cut it off like four feet high. Then take it and drill holes in it or even attach uh, small like one-inch fittings to the side of it use those little glue-on fittings, and then have basically tubes coming out of of each side of it at about a six-inch level, drill holes in it so that you could fill the whole contraption up with water, and the water would slowly um, leak out of this tube and water the entire inside of the potato bin. It's basically a water, a drip water system for the inside of a potato tower. And I think it would work. You take a, just take a cap and put the cap over the top. That would keep the, uh, any water, uh, any bugs and stuff out. Keep, uh, that would be a perfect place for wasps to live and we don't really want wasps. Yeah, because they'd get mad when you put new water in there, and then you've got a bunch of bad wasps. So put a cap on the top of it, and make it about four, even 
five foot high, make it pretty high, simply because you need the water pressure to actually push the water out of the tubes. Um, and then try that. And then water it that way. But you're still committing to quite a bit of watering. Yeah. As I said, you are welcome to, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that one. Yeah, I'm just curious if it'll work. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have to do it that way. I could just do it in a bucket. You know what I'm saying? I can do it in a bucket on a smaller scale and do a scale model to see if it's even practical. Yeah. Like put a, a, put a five-gallon bucket full of soil and then, you know. My point was that not Sorry. every... <laughs> but see, I'm trying to learn from the fail. Yeah. You figure out what works for you and what doesn't. The, well, that's one. See, these are, the, these are two ways of looking at the same fail. My way is, okay, what can I do to adapt what we're trying to do to make it work? Her way, and it's a very legitimate thing in this case, is, okay, I keep failing. This is a lot of work. This is not worth the work. Considering the main benefit of this particular approach is that you can grow a lot of food in a very small amount of space. And we have a lot of space. Right. So yeah. it's not worth, to me, fighting with this particular method when it doesn't suit my particular situation. And potatoes will grow about anywhere. You know what I'm saying? They'll grow about anywhere. Yeah. Uh, they won't grow in super clay soil, but, you know, our soil will grow potatoes. Especially if we work it up. Yeah, the garden plot that I've been using for years grows potatoes just fine. But here's the thing about potatoes, and this is something that you really need to consider. We don't eat a lot of raw potatoes. And i got to be honest with you, you know, they're cheap. Do we really? I understand the prepping aspect of it. But they don't store more than a year, okay? Do we really want to commit to growing a huge potato crop every year? We've never committed to growing a huge potato crop. We've put in a couple of plants so I can learn some things about growing potatoes. So if we need to, I can I can get a good crop of potatoes reliably. Back in the 70s, my grandmother lived about, oh, we lived north of St. Louis and she lived in Memphis. So however many miles that is, quite a way. So we didn't really see each other all that much. And she was a, uh, just a super ridiculous gardener. Her entire backyard was a garden. Up until when she had to had to leave her house and go to the home. She had a garden. And I had a potato patch. That's the only garden we had. But it was a significant sized one. And I expanded it every year and I grew potatoes. It's just what I did. Because other than hoeing, potatoes really don't take much work. If you mulch them, you don't have to hoe them. Well, yeah, and I didn't know that. This was back in the 70s. And we had a well right there, and it had an outside spigot that comes out of the well, so watering was no big deal. Our well never went dry. It was a deep well, and it never went dry. So I had all the water I wanted. And my mom, she thought it was kind of humorous that I did this. Uh, until the first year of potato crops came in, and I brought in the potatoes, and I had these several five-gallon buckets worth of potatoes. And she's like, what am I going to do with all of these? <laughs> so yeah. anyway, I kept, the, for four years, I kept the family in potatoes. It was my potato patch. I just did it every year. 
They just thought it was cool that you could cut apart one potato and end up with a whole bunch of potatoes. It was just kind of cool. And I did this. And then my grandmother, she came to visit. And even though there was nothing to do in this potato patch, there was nothing to do. I mean, you, you, you weed it and you're done, pretty much. She would go out there and spend hours hoeing in my potato patch while she was visiting us. Just because that was her thing that she liked to do. She liked to garden. And this is all we had. There was nothing else but this potato <laughs> We are, by golly, going to tend the living daylights out of those taters. Yeah, every every year she'd come up for a two-week visit. And, and man, I, you want to talk about a, a, a life on the edge of peril? Be a weed in my potato patch when my <laughs> grandmother came. Your life was in peril. It's kind of beside the point, but anyway. So potatoes, we know how to grow potatoes. Yeah. And part of part a huge part of what we do here isn't that we like to do a lot of what we're doing, but we learn so much. And if we need to do it, we know how now. You know what I'm saying? I think skill development is important for everybody and I'm trying to walk the walk. That's right. By learning to do some things that I gardened some as a kid, but I didn't for the first twenty years of our marriage, we didn't really keep a garden. The bottom line is, though, and this is straight, uh, you'll never learn from your failures if you don't start them and fail. Yeah. You'll never learn. There's a limit to what you can learn from the Internet. Lots of people say lots of things on the Internet. Some of it works great. Some of it works great for them, but not for you. And some of it just doesn't work great at all. But so many people just keep repeating things they've heard that sound good, that you don't know. You may have seen it. I saw the whole uh, straws, fire starter straws. I saw that idea seven places, I'm sure. And it always sounded like such a great idea. You take your petroleum jelly and you roll your cotton around in it to get the cotton really saturated with petroleum jelly. You stuff it down into drinking straws and you cut it into lengths and you use little uh, hot pliers to seal the ends, and you've got a little waterproof fire starter you can pull out and use to start fires. So I spent a day fussing, not a whole day, but one day I, I pulled out some stuff and I fussed and fussed for a while. She fussed and fussed and fussed some more. She got really se- did. Got several of these done because it's actually kind of annoying to take petroleum jelly saturated cotton and stuff it into drinking straws. It's not really my favorite pastime, as it turns out. Can I admit something? <laughs> hmm? I heard words. Yeah. I heard muttering. There were mutters. She muttered while doing this. Yeah. And not in a good way. So I, I, I gave it a try, and I got some done. And the next time I was out at the place and wanted a fire, pulled out a couple of those guys and tried to use them. They worked okay. So the next time I wanted to start a fire, I just had a little pill bottle. I put that petroleum jelly cotton mixture into the little pill bottle. And the next time I wanted to start a fire, I just pulled a twist of that out of the pill bottle and used that instead, and it worked much better. And how much more work was it to put in the pill bottle? None. It was a lot less. It was a lot less work, a lot less annoying. I had several doses in the pill bottle, and what if it got a little water in there? It's full of petroleum jelly cotton. It's not going to absorb the water. It's not going to fail to light because it got wet. In fact, we've still got some of those starters that she did. She didn't make that many. They're still around. I mean... 
Well, I made a, a couple of pill bottles worth and put them in different uh, bug-out bag kind of packs. Yeah, I, I saw them the other day. So I was like, yeah, I guess they'd work. Yeah. But and I carry them around work. because... They're a lot of work. Oh, the, the straws were a lot of work, yeah. I didn't end up using all of them because they don't actually work as well as the other, and they're a whole bunch more work. But I wouldn't have known if I hadn't tried it because I'd seen them, and they look like such a great idea. So... Yeah, they're waterproof if you do them right, but they tend to pop open at the ends when they get bent. And pill bottles are waterproof too, folks. So, tried it, learned. Part of dealing with failure is admitting, well, that didn't work. You have to be able to say, well, that didn't work. And then you just decide, is it worth repeating? Did you do it just, well, we do a lot of stuff just to see if it'll work. And then you analyze what you think went wrong. Some of the, th- the best things that we have, and we do, we started out with just, hey, let's try this. Boom. Oh, that really worked. Well, let's keep that up. Um, you know, different. I have experimented with every way that there is to make an eggie in a basket <laughs> that I can think of. And I've come up with a pretty good way of doing it, if I do say so myself. As long as we're using chicken eggs. Duck eggs turn out to be hard. Duck out, yeah. Duck eggs do not work well in in uh, egg in a basket. They just don't. They're too big. They they're hard to open, and they they just don't turn out as well. So, duck eggs are great for many things, but egg in a basket. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's egg inside of toast, fried. But I, I've kind of worked it down to a science, so she can have her egg in a basket. I don't actually like them myself. I don't really care for them. She loves them. She keeps them. She eats on it. She got the little fried centers. <laughs> Admit it, you like them. I like them. And he makes them for me. That's right. Makes me happy. You know, one of the one of the ways you can tell if you're winning in life, if there's somebody there who'll make you a sandwich. Yeah. Not a sandwich, a sandwich. You can go to a store and get a sandwich. But it takes somebody who cares about you to make a sandwich. So there we go. We're gonna leave it at that. <laughs> are you are you done with this one? I'm done with this one. All I right. failed enough for today. We have talked to you. Well, we'll talk to you later, and hope you enjoyed it. Unless I failed to record it, which no, I didn't. So, bye.